I am very much still on holidays. I am taking this call in 30-degree weather by the beach. Oh, well, first of all, we're so sorry that we interrupted you because uh, Declan, my producer, said she's on holiday. And I said, well, she accepted my, de- <laughs> my, my question, so let's see if she'll answer the phone. Well, thank you. 30 degrees, you are obviously, clearly a fine person for taking our call. Um <laughs> I I don't know I don't know if I would have or not I'll be honest with you I mean you're at the beach right my goodness Yeah I can't complain really there there are worse things I could be doing than uh chatting with you while sitting by a pool so I'm <laughs> I'm more than happy to join especially with all the the hockey stuff that's happening it it kind of uh Gives me a good little break from my vacation mind. Gets me back into the swing of things a little bit. There you go. Uh, William Nylander, uh, you know, it's a lot of money. He's having a, a great year. I I think the, the Leafs probably calculated that they could get him for a little less. As it turns out, he's just really ripping it up. What, what are your thoughts on the signing and and what uh, what is ahead for this team that clearly is going to have to find room, you know, under the cap for next year? Yeah, I think um, when you look at a player like William Nylander, we're talking about a 40-goal scorer, and those don't grow on trees, right? Those are really difficult to find. And while it is market value for Nylander, and the Leafs kind of have a habit of handing out market value contracts as opposed to ones that are under market value, let's say, um, the reality of the situation is, is the Leafs looked at moving Nylander in the summer and they were only going to move him if they could get a high-impact defenseman. And those don't grow on trees either. And so the reality of the situation is, is you're better off having William Nylander at 11 and a half, at 11 and a half than you are having Brendan Gallagher and Josh Anderson at 11 and a half, right? So, yes, that's two hockey players, but the summation of their contracts is equal to what William Nylander would be paid. And I'm sure if I gave you the option, you'd probably choose door number one. So I think at the end of the day – the elite players are going to get the elite money. And that maybe squeezes out the middle class a little bit, and that's something that the Leafs are going to have to deal with come next season. But then after that, you've got Tavares, who's going to be on a significantly lower deal. But next year, Joseph Wall is going to be there on a significantly underpaid deal. Matthew Nyes is on his ELC. Fraser Minton, Easton Cowan likely, Topi Niemela. They've got enough guys that can come in and fill in at contracts that are a million bucks or less, but I think they will be fine. And the reality of the situation is, is those four players that they've got at the top end of their lineup are good enough to carry that team. Yeah, And they do have some UFAs falling up or Tuzi, Domi, Brody. So they have some coin to spend and the cap is going up. What I, what I do find interesting about the group that they have now is the, the the Leafs, and they've been, for some time, um, <clears throat> Kyle Dubas was really good at this, but they can plug holes well. I like Matthew Nice as a guy who can step up in the years to come. Right now, Martin Jones is playing for 875, and I'm not suggesting he's going to be, you know, the, the modern version of Johnny Bauer here, but he's playing well, and I, I do like the, the, the MacGyver-ish uh, look of the, the Leafs. They, they don't necessarily... Um, you know, panic or make a panic move. I think Martin Jones, I, I don't know how long he'll be playing at this level, but that that was a pretty good check down from what they had, and it has worked out at least in the short term. Yeah, it absolutely has, and that's not something I think that they should bet on to continue. Obviously, Joseph Wall is somebody who has proven that when he's healthy, he is a very good goaltender, and that 
he's making below the league minimum because of when his contract was signed. And so that's, that's a steal of a deal. The Sam Sonoff contract comes off the books this year as well. And I would hazard to guess that that is not going to be someone that they extend uh, for numerous reasons. But Martin Jones has been somebody that's come in and has spot duty. The Dennis Hill to be um, drastic. I was um, employed by Vancouver when that selection was made. And that was somebody that I really liked. I, I even though he was an overager, that was a goaltender that I thought was significantly undervalued at the time. And so I'm not really surprised to see that he's had the success that he's had at the AHL level. And I do think that if Martin Jones falters, yes, Dennis Hildeby is somebody without NHL experience, but we've seen time and time again that when you do not have a book on a goaltender, uh, they're very difficult to read. And so I wouldn't expect Martin Jones to continue his 932 save percentage, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was a 905. And the reality is Mr. Joseph Hole is near a return. And so um, I don't think it's going to be that much of a worry going forward. Um, if he can come in and give you some spot duty while Sam Sonoff finds his game and get something from Dennis Hildeby, then I think they'll be okay. Rachel Dory, our guest from Staff and Graph Podcast. I wanted to ask you about Ken Holland. Uh, the orders are, uh, you know, probably looking for a center, uh, maybe right defense, uh, goaltending for sure. But there's there's conversations about what assets will be given up. 2024 first round pick uh, seems to be a no brainer. But also Philip Broberg may or may not be in play. And I wanted to get your idea about what Broberg's value is. Uh, I suspect the 2024 first round pick has more value, but. It, would Broberg himself be enough to turn the wheel or turn get the opportunity to bring in somebody like as a as a full blown piece sent out, or would you need to package him uh, maybe with a pick? I think you probably need to package him. To me, Philip Broberg um, is somebody that the Oilers took a swing on. I did not have him that high in his draft year, and while I do think he's an NHL defenseman. His ability to read the game worries me a little bit. Obviously, he's got the size and he's got the skating. And when you have the size and the skating and you haven't made it at this point, there is obviously a reason for that. And he's a half a point a game in the AHL, which is just, that's not going to be something that perks up the ears of other GMs. Like, that's not an asset that is going to net you a top-end defenseman. If you want help in goal, help on the blue line, that's going to come in the form of meaningful help, um, that's Philip Broberg is somebody you're going to have to move with somebody else. Perhaps Philip Broberg is somebody that they strap to a contract to send out so that they have the ability to bring another asset that maybe makes a little bit more money in. But the reality of the situation is his value has, he was never more valuable than on the day he was drafted. Right. And they could have solved their goaltending problems by simply drafting Jesper Volstead. And you and I have talked about this. And I mean, now he's been called up by Minnesota. And so I think when you look at it, um, if the Oilers want an impact player, they're better off trying Philip Roberg and giving him an extended run. And if not, he's probably somebody that has to be part of a package to get an impact player. Somebody like a, a Noah Hannafin, not that I think a deal between Edmonton and Calgary would ever happen for a player of that magnitude. <laughs> now, that brings me to my next question, uh, Rachel Doria, I guess, because I'm fascinated by the Flames. They they lost two in a row on their road trip. They are fading a little bit. It's not like they're out of it, but they played 40 games and they have 39 points, so they're, they're below uh, 500 points percentage. 
And they're behind Seattle, Edmonton in the top three, Vancouver, Vegas, and L.A. Um, if you were a part of that organization, would you be leaning towards selling off these free agents? There have been rumors that, that maybe they're trying to take one more swing in Hannafin. But at some point in time, does it behoove them to get real value on a guy? I think Hannafin has high value. Uh, if you're looking at the future of the Flames, uh, they could probably use a young player, but do they want to make that decision? Is this the time maybe to start offloading some of these free agents? I think it is. I think you're spot on there. When you look at it, uh, Calgary's just not good enough. They just haven't been able to get things going. You've got Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin as the premier free agents. And Noah Hannafin, we just talked about how good defensemen do not grow on trees. And while Noah Hannafin is not a top-pairing Hampus Lindholm, Charlie McAvoy, that kind of Norris caliber defenseman, Noah Hannafin is more than capable of being a three or four on a contending team. And I think if you're Calgary, you're in a situation where you are not contending. Your future is going to be built around Matthew Coronado and Jacob Peltier and Dustin Wolf and a number of the other young players that they have coming up through the pipeline. Samuel Hanzek is another one that they've drafted. I think it, it would behoove them to get as many quality as opposed to quantity assets for Noah Hannafin as possible. And frankly, I think the same of Elias Lindholm. I think they have an opportunity here to really get some, some assets through the door that are going to help them along the timeline that they are building upon and have that sort of quick reboot that somebody like the Dallas Stars have had because they've, they've done well with their drafting, in my opinion. And so I think they're not as far off as people think they are, but I don't think that signing those guys to contracts is the right decision here. I think there are enough teams around, whether it's Boston with Elias Lindholm or a number of teams that could use a defenseman in like Noah Hannafin, that they could really get some, some really good assets to help them in the not-too-distant future. Wanted to ask you a football question, too. The Buffalo Bills, I, I watched them, number one, because my friend Travis Yost is a Bills fan, and he, he can't, he is so concise in all of his numbers, but he's a fan of the Bills, and it's a totally different vibe when you're talking to him about the Bills. And I I think they're a fun team, but I also think that, that you know, fun teams and chaotic teams often don't go deep. Can they win the Super Bowl with this much roller coaster chaos they seem to build into every game? I truly, I don't think they can. I don't think they get past the Ravens, never mind the Super Bowl. Um, You've got quite a few teams that are really good. I think if Miami beats KC, they probably get by Miami. Um, But I, under no circumstances, outside of Lamar Jackson getting hurt, um, which is always something that you never hope happens, but it's always a possibility in football. Outside of Jackson getting hurt, I think when you look at it, you nailed it. The roller coaster that the Buffalo Bills go on in any given game, whether it's an ill-timed interception or an awful penalty or a poor play call, it's always a roller coaster. And teams that are roller coasters have issues winning, whether it's hockey or baseball or football. And you look at some of the other teams like the Baltimore Ravens or the San Francisco 49ers, who for my money, like that's who I've got my money on, barring obviously any major injury. Um, I think the Buffalo Bills are far too volatile. And you look at the numbers and the numbers say that they are a good team. 
but they're not a better team than the Ravens, and they're certainly not a better team than the 49ers. So I think the Cinderella run to the playoffs was fantastic. And I do think Josh Allen probably should get a real shot at the MVP because of what he did. But when you're that volatile and you're going to come up against teams like the Ravens and the 49ers that really put the sticks to teams that make errors, that's going to be a problem for the Bills. Never let it be said that you are not an absolute professional because you took our call while at the beach in the middle of a obviously great day with a lot of sunshine. Thank you, Rachel.